Mary Lou Danley, the suspect's live-in girlfriend. We are still speaking with Miss Danley about the suspect's movements, gun purchases, and anything else we need to know about him and how he had planned his assault. I watched some of the press conference live yesterday with uh, Sheriff Lombardo down in Vegas. One interesting thing about him, and he seems like a really good dude. Yeah. But um, he's emotionally broken up still a week later. He can't he can't get through those things without breaking up. I got the same idea, yeah. Which is, um, it's just, just I don't know, it's just striking. Oh, it's, it's not horrible. usually what you see. You know, he's got pictures in his head that we don't, Yeah, you know? And still does daily. Yeah, yeah, that's right. he's still dealing with it. Yeah, yeah, awful stuff. Um, a new uh, timeline has emerged. Oh, that's right. I wanted to talk about this at least a little bit. I've tended to be on the side of uh, the eloquent Tim Sandifer, Tim the lawyer, who was on the other day talking about how, you know, really searching for answers in the shooter is not going to be satisfying to you. Look look for your answers in the heroism and the kindness and the generosity, et cetera. That's where you're going to learn about humanity, and, and that's that's just the way to look at it. And And I get that, and I agree with it, but I heard uh, somebody talking about how Number one, law enforcement does have an interest in understanding these people, somebody who could do this to whatever extent is possible. It's not going to necessarily prevent something, but after a while it could. They accumulate enough knowledge and recognize enough tendencies or enough behavior patterns, someday it could. And the other thing was, and this really intrigued me, and I heard just a very little bit about it, just enough to be dangerous, as they say, that... The victims, the survivors of these things, they need something. Some why this happened, some what was he thinking. Even if it's stupid or insane, it's it's like filling out a, a worksheet in their brain that they have to have something there. Sure, makes perfectly good sense. You know, it, it hadn't occurred to me till I heard it stated, and I'd like to read and hear more about that because it's at first blush it seems nuts to me. What's the difference? But... I get it. I think I, I think, get it now. I think I need that, even if it's dumb. Oh, he hated country music. Okay. Or, or my There's theory. something. It's dumb. It's it's despicable. It's not a good excuse. But but the just completely where it is now, just He's, random. Just random decided to kill people is is strange. Although, well, it's strange. But if my theory came, you know, came to be accepted that he was a psychopath with a superiority complex. He was fixated on doing things better than everybody, uh, which it seems is is true in terms of gambling and such, um, to show that he was smarter than everybody. He decided this is how he was going to show that he was so much smarter than everybody. He was going to kill as many people as possible. Even that, while it is just, it's bizarre, it's unspeakable, it's unholy. At least that's, you know, filling in that blank and people can start yeah, to move but on. Those kind of people, and I've seen a whole bunch of different uh, criminal profilers, forensic psychologists, those kind of people on different shows. This is unique in that there's nothing. Usually even that kind of person points you in that direction right. with some sort of manifesto or Facebook or something or other mm-hmm. that this is what I am. And there is none of that with this guy. Yeah, I mean, there, I've, I can't. I've, I've seen at least a half dozen people who do this for a living who say they've never had a situation like this where there's nothing with a person. From the Department of Everything You Hear in the First 24 Hours is not true, or at least not quite true. They've revised the timeline. Turns out that the hotel security guard, who we've discussed, uh, his heroism, his uh, bravery, etc., was shot 
six minutes before the first shots were fired on the music festival. So the story for about a week has been he interrupted the shooter, may have led to the guy turning his his uh, fire the other direction. Right. And saved a bunch of lives that way. But that's not the case. He got there before the shooter even started. Yeah, he was checking some sort of alarm or something. It was c- the noise of the drill. The people heard the drill. Like he, oh, right. So that was the kind of setting him off, and he went there to investigate. As the shooter was right. drilling doors closed to aid in his... Right, so he he went to investigate, and he got shot at 9.59. It was roughly six minutes later that the first shots were fired on the music festival. So it's it, it almost seems certain that the guy started shooting before he had planned then. I'm sorry, say again? The shooter, the scumbag, almost certainly started shooting before he had planned to start shooting that. He didn't have everything quite together yet. And it seems entirely possible. It seems pretty unlikely that the security guy happened to show up. Right. So 10.05, the first shots are fired. 10.12, seven minutes later, uh, the first two officers arrived on the 31st floor and announced that the gunfire is coming from directly above them. And then 10.15, 10 minutes after the shots started, they stopped. And it was two minutes after that that the first two officers arrived on the 32nd floor. And a minute after that that the security officer told the cops he was shot and gave the location of the gunman's room. But then the additional officers arrive at like 1026 to 1030 and begin to move down the hallway, clearing every room, looking for injured people. They no longer hear any gunfire. So that's after the four guys that were on 60 Minutes had breached the door before? No, no. 10.55, eight officers arrive in the stairwell at the opposite end of the hallway nearest to Paddock's room, and 11.20, officers enter the room. So how long had the guy been dead at this point, then? Well, it was an hour and 21 minutes after the security guard was shot, and it was an hour five after the last, last shots were fired at the concert. Um, <clears throat> 11.27, a second breach is set off, allowing officers to enter the second room. Officers quickly realize there's no one else in the rooms and announce over the radio that the suspect is down. There, there were a number of uh, weapons that weren't used, the security stuff, they can't quite figure. I, I, think he, I think he got forced to pull off his plan. Before he was ready to go. Yeah, initially I thought that he had miscalculated what the response time was. I thought he he thought he had more time before the officers showed up. But it sounds like with this new information that the, the nosy security guard just kind of forced his yeah. hand in general. Yeah, and he thought, well, i got to start shooting yeah. now if I'm going to do this at all. But who but knows? Question, well, go ahead. Who knows what else he had to get lined up to try to... Because they still think he was planning to get out to his car and blow something up because he mm-hmm. had all those explosives in right. his car. Well, the question remains, why did he stop shooting at 10.15, two minutes prior to the first two officers arriving on the 32nd floor? Now, the security guard was already there, shot, and, and perhaps you know the shooter didn't understand that he was unarmed or what have you. Um, but why did he stop, and at what point did he off himself? Yeah, if he killed himself before before people were even trying to get in, I just, you know, I wonder how much of what we've heard is just inaccurate and mm-hmm. who shot at whom and when and whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know, but it's it's interesting. Still a good thing that security guard showed up because absolutely he had to change things for the better. He had to. Oh yeah. The the guy had to speed up his his plan and something that he had 
lined up didn't work out and, right. And for this numbers guy to have any variable kind of throw off oh, his yeah. calculations. Had to be really troubling yeah. to his yeah. weirdo brain. Yeah, I wonder if, yeah, he freaked. Um, but can you imagine if after firing for a certain amount of time, remember he stopped firing at 10.15 and the first officers arrived two minutes later. You imagine if he managed to get to the secure the uh, security exit or the, the stairwell or fire exit or whatever and screamed, "Oh my God, somebody's shooting! Somebody's shooting!" and he r- ran out and and vanished into the streets. Can you imagine? Oh my God! Huh. Imagine the conspiracy theories around that. Well, and and what else he might have done? Yeah, because they, you know, like I said, they, they think he was headed to his car to blow something up. Where yeah. was he going to go with that? Who knows? Yeah. So uh, on a related topic, very briefly. Hey, we're going to get another report on these out-of-control fires here in just a few minutes, by the way. Yeah, yeah, very quickly. Uh, it's funny, we got this note from uh, loyal listener Dave. What about the windows? Is there, isn't there an alarm, a wire in the window? Uh, blah, blah, blah. I can't believe they didn't know instantly the window had been breached. What about a second shooter from the, second, from the fourth floor, et cetera? Uh, how about uh, he's a fat old guy? How could he possibly blah, blah, blah? And so, uh, you know, it's fine. You can believe what you want to believe. But then we got this note from Mr. E in beautiful Chico. We sent along a quote from Breen or Brene Brown. Breen Brown. A book, uh, it's about conspiracy theorists. Brene, like, Brene Brown. Brene? Yeah. Bernie Brown. How are they pronounced? She is a... Uh... Yeah, my wife hates that woman so much. What's her deal? <laughs> she is. Uh, she's got some of the most watched TED talks that have ever existed, and she's the one that brought us the shame culture. There's too much shame in our culture. She's big on that whole thing. Really? Yeah. Wow. She's so... hard to take. Okay. She has upended the world of uh, of therapy and counseling. I mean, it's just there are a lot of disciples of her out there. Mm. Maybe maybe you're into her. I'm not. Interesting. She's well, a huge what... huge deal. Judge this as you will. Um, she's actually quoting uh, a scientist, Gottschall, by name, argues that conspiratorial thinking is not limited to the stupid, the ignorant, or the crazy. It is a reflex of the storytelling mind's compulsive need for meaningful experience. Boy, that does makes, that sound straight that, out of psych. That makes, makes perfectly yeah. good sense. Uh, he goes on to make the compelling point that ultimately conspiracy, conspiracy theories are used to explain why bad things happen. To the conspiratorial mind, stuff never just happens. Uh, well, how would we how would we survive as a species if our minds weren't developed in such a way that when something bad happens, we try to figure out how to stop it from happening next time? Right. If there is a big giant flood that wipes out our village and we just thought, well, what are you going to do? As opposed to maybe we should make a dam up there. You or wouldn't survive. worship a god. Or something, yeah. Uh, they're always consoling in their simplicity, these theories. His conclusion about conspiracy thinking on the societal level reflects uh, blah, blah, blah. He writes that for conspiracy theorists, quote, Bad things do not happen because of a wildly complex swirl of abstract abstract historical and social variables. They happen because bad men live to stalk our happiness. And you can fight and possibly even defeat bad men if you can read The Hidden Story. Mm. As opposed to the wildly complex swirl of abstract historical and social variables. I wonder if there's any more major changes in the timeline of this thing to come. That's a pretty major change that we got over a week out. Yeah, I, I, I think anything we heard about the narrative, we just need to forget now and, and wait for, you know, the new one to take shape, which will feed the conspiracy theories. I could also find a laptop somewhere that changes this whole story in, in a day. Oh, here's his laptop with all his information on it about who he hated and why.
Uh, some of the most amazing fires anyone's ever seen anywhere making national news. We'll get the latest on that coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. So the late night comics finally decided to do Harvey Weinstein jokes, and we got a bunch of those for you. Also, stars are starting to finally speak out. Your Jennifer Lawrence, your George Clooney are starting to finally say something and um, bring you that also with an interesting sting. The NYPD had apparently tried to play on old Harvey back in the day because mm. they knew he was uh, what he was. So that background when the New York Times was spiking the story? We'll yeah. find out. KGO News anchor Brett Burkhart joins us, old friend of the Armstrong and Getty Show, to report on the latest on the series of raging, unbelievably fast-moving wildfires in Northern California. Of course, we're also keeping an eye on the the fires in SoCal. Uh, Brett is with us now. Brett, hey, what's the latest? Yeah, good morning. The sunrise, guys, this morning in the Bay Area was spectacular until you realized the devastating reason for the filtered sunrise smoke from the deadly fires in wine country and we have some new numbers now at least 11 people dead uh, 100 are injured being treated for burn or smoke inhalation and at least 1500 homes and businesses have been destroyed i guess the stark number though coming out of sonoma county alone is the number of people who uh, have filed missing persons report uh, those missing persons report are now up to 150 and they are hoping that that's just because there's a lack of communication uh, some phone lines down it's hard to get uh, cell service up there they're hoping that loved ones will be eventually reunited but that is a stark number yeah on the topic of the phone lines and cell phone stuff I've, we've gotten a bunch of texts from people that live in the area who say their communication is awful they can't get cell phone coverage they got no internet they're not hearing anything from anybody they don't know what's going on is that the case for a lot of people that is the case, and in many cases, uh, you have cell phone companies, at least in previous uh, disasters involving fires and, and sometimes floods, you'll have uh, cell phone companies actually bring in portable towers to try and restore some of that service. Mm. And uh, we hope to hear from uh, some of those uh, telecommunications companies. Comcast, I know, is helping out as well, offering the free Wi-Fi for uh, some uh, residents in the area. That was just announced uh, yesterday afternoon. And the devastation is just hard to believe. The images, it looks like a moonscape in many of these neighborhoods that were leveled in the Santa Rosa area. We also had two hotels completely destroyed. Ronnie Lott uh, of uh, 49er fame was in one of those hotels and was able to escape uh, safely. Uh, But those hotels have been uh, burned to the ground. You know, when you look at a disaster, whether it's a fire or a hurricane or, or what have you, the death toll is always affected by, I mean, for instance, in the third world, you've got um, infrastructure problems. The the structural fidelity of buildings is different. And the death toll, which is tragic, obviously, is, is astonishing in an area that is, the one thing it ain't is the third world. I mean, plenty of roads, plenty of regulations, very, very modern, uh, you know, they're, everybody's got a car, you know, et cetera, you know, most people do. Um, and it's just, it's an indication of how intense and fast moving these fires were. That's exactly right. And residents were talking about, uh, you know, it, it happened in the middle of the night as well. So you add in darkness, you add in the smoke, uh, just trying to see a way out was difficult. We heard from uh, first responders who were going in and then they couldn't find a way out. They were surrounded by fire, but managed to find uh, a route out safely. And we were hearing from neighbors as well, talking about it being like a Rubik's Cube, trying to solve a puzzle, getting out of the fire areas. And it took them extraordinarily long time. Oh, my God, you'd be scared to death. You got your family in your car and you can't figure out which road you can go down to get out of it. Well, and it is not flatland. It's very hilly. So there are limited options. 
limited options. You have downed power lines. You have tree limbs down in the road. And you have the story of a CHP helicopter rescue team. It's not normally used for rescues. But last night, in the middle of all, all the chaos and the smoke and the darkness, uh, without communication, the CHP helicopter crew went and on a rescue mission, landing the helicopter and saving families from uh, being trapped from the fire line. So, Brett, as, as you've mentioned previously, that a, a lot of, you know, actually friends of Armstrong and Getty, you've let us know what's going on uh, directly, but a lot of folks were alerted or evacuated around 1, one thirty in the morning. Uh, do we have an idea when it was known that there were fires about when they might have started? Any idea how they started? It was in the evening, uh, Sunday evening, when uh, we started getting word of of these fires breaking out. But uh, there were a lot of people who uh, retired for the night and and didn't know that it was happening in their neighborhood. Uh, But uh, it was quickly the next morning when people realized something was wrong all over the Bay Area. We were getting reports out of San Francisco. People pulling the fire alarms in their building, thinking that their building was burning down because the uh, the smell of smoke was so strong that far away from wine country. So the fire that burnt down Santa Rosa, for instance, is how how contained is that fire? Zero. No containment at this time. Zero. 27,000 acres already burned. You look at the fire map, and it's hard to even see some of the streets because it's just covered by burned areas and active fire. The good news is, if if we're looking for good news, is that it has not expanded overnight. So it's not spreading, but they don't have any containment, which means... They don't have any fire line around uh, the fire. They're just stretched thin at this point, and there are resources coming in from all over the Bay Area to try and knock this one down. Wow, that's just nuts. It's scary. Brett Burkhart, uh, longtime KGO radio news anchor and friend Armstrong and Getty. Brett, thanks a million. Thank you. Zero is how contained that fire is. Oh, yeah, there's no time. They're just trying to save lives. That's wild. That's crazy. And uh, again, the, the entire West Coast, I was looking at my national fire map, and it's just, it's insane. I don't know. Was it all the all the rain last year, I guess? There was so much vegetation. Uh, it got so thick. That's got to be part of it. I don't know. That Hilton Hotel in Santa Rosa that burned to the ground. Try to imagine how you would burn a modern hotel to the ground. If you gave me a week, that's how amazing Mother Nature is. If you gave me a week to try to get that thing on fire, I wouldn't be able to do it. Yeah. I could get all kinds of gasoline and matches and stuff like that. You wouldn't be able to catch a hotel. And it's just gone. Just just disappeared. Well, you could cause a little, you know, cosmetic damage a little bit. The sprinklers and, and fire. Fires would yeah. show up and, yeah, <laughs> the, the, and, and arrest you and throw you in jail, as you so richly deserve. But it just disappeared right. in, like, an hour, which is amazing. Yeah. I think I got bed bugs at that hotel, though. Oh, is that the yeah. one? Yeah. Well, so what are you going to do? It's not like that was on purpose. No. Um, and those safes that we, uh, some of us own, I have one that are good up to 2,500 degrees or whatever it is. Right. And you think, well, that ought to be plenty. Apparently it wasn't enough for this fire. Lots of people's saves just dust. Yeah. Everything's dust from their house. Whoops. Oh, that sucks. That's like when somebody tries to explain to me light years. It's like uh, the fireproof safe melted from fire. What? Yeah. I don't, yeah. I can't yeah. comprehend how hot that is. Yeah. yeah. With the wind, it just went so fast. That's amazing. Uh, what's coming up in your news, Marshall Phillips? Well, talk about awkward. President Trump breaks bed, bread rather with Secretary of State Tillerson today. Mattis will be there to referee. North Korea making off with top-secret U.S.-South Korea plans to decapitate Kim Jong-un. 
and fashion mogul Donna Karen taking a lot of heat for what she said about Harvey Weinstein. Stories oh, yeah. coming up minutes from now, Armstrong and Giddy. We were going to play that earlier. We forgot. Yeah, we, we, got, get to it. we got a bunch of interesting Weinstein stuff, including Hillary Clinton still giving speeches and not mentioning Harvey Weinstein at all while blasting women who voted for Trump. She's not blasting Harvey Weinstein or saying ah. anything about all the donations she took from him. Mm. Stay tuned. That's coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. So the New Yorker piece on Harvey Weinstein has hit. New York Times and New Yorker were in a race to get out the story. And the New Yorker piece uh, mentions three possible rapes. So that's pretty big time. Yeah, there's a uh, Italian starlet is out now and making a specific allegation of rape. Yeah. Nice job, Hollywood. Sicko. There's your God, your Jesus. There's your brave defender of women's rights. Yeah. News now with Marsha Phillips. Well, President Trump has a private lunch today with Secretary of State Rex Tillerson and Defense Secretary James Mattis. This could be somewhat awkward after the report surfaced that Tillerson allegedly called Trump an effing moron in a meeting with some other top officials <laughs> well, this past summer. Well, when you say, say it like that, it, it's, you know. <laughs> How do you suggest he says it? <laughs> right. <laughs> Oh, God. (laughs) Tillerson denied the report. The president was said to be furious about the remark, but then he recently said, no, 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 I have total confidence in Tillerson. But Trump, in an interview with Forbes magazine on Friday, did challenge his secretary of state to compare IQ tests if Tillerson did indeed call Trump an effing moron, as reported. Trump telling the magazine, I think it's fake news. But if he did that... I guess we're going to have to compare the IQ test, and I can tell you who is going to win. Who does that? I who, love it. Who does that? I uh, can't imagine a grown-up doing it, but <laughs> I love Sean's idea. Live TV. You split screen. You actually watch them filling out the IQ test. And, 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 and experts will say, oh, over there you see the president missed one. The train that left Cleveland would actually arrive at 3 p.m. I, I'm picturing Maybe. they're each in one of those glass tubes, <laughs> right. like a booth of silence. Right. They're rubbing their chins. Is it A or B? And then they scribble down with a pencil. No, that's not it. Erase it. <laughs> and again, for some reason, Ryan Seacrest would host it because he's the only guy on TV. Right. Oh, boy. And uh, just based on my yeah. experience, you don't necessarily want the person with the highest IQ in charge of anything. Anywho, so uh, whatever that means. Would you Would you uh, rather pay uh, $50 to watch that or watch uh, Floyd Mayweather beat up another crippled Filipino man? <laughs> no way. I'm watching the president versus Tillerson. What's your What's your theory on that, that not necessarily the highest IQ is, should known, be the indicator? I've, I've known a number of people with high IQs who were freaking the strangest people I've ever met. Yeah. Yes. yes, and 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 yes. ran their lives yes. in a, in a miserable fashion, <laughs> let alone the country or a business. I mean, they were crazy people. South Korea says a trove of classified military documents were stolen by North Korean hackers. The compromised documents include wartime contingency plans drawn up by the U.S. and South Korea, as well as a plan to assassinate North Korea's leader Kim Jong Un. Who's reporting this? Well, you are obviously, but what's your source, sir? Oh, it's coming. Oh, I see. It's coming from uh, some South Korean officials. That They're is the ones who are putting that out. Yeah. That is mind-boggling. 
The one thing you'd hope they'd keep secret from North Korea is their invasion plans and their plans to bump off Fathead. Right. So did North Korea hack us or the South Koreans? See, I mean, that, who was holding the information that, that got I, hacked? That I am not clear on. Okay. Because well, it's, a it South Korean, South Korean it, yeah, it's a It's a South Korean official who's saying, ah, the North broke in and hacked the plan. Okay, so, so maybe it wasn't our fault or the U.S. government's right, fault. Right, it could have been the South Koreans. So anyway, the uh, plans for the uh, South Korean special forces were also were reportedly compromised, along with a lot of information on power plants and military facilities in the South. So it was probably, yeah, they, it was probably a hack on the South Koreans. How is it we're at this point in our history in terms of cyber this and that, that we're not instituting a, a plan of a policy of it's either on paper and you run it down to the general's office and he flips through it like the times of old or... It's highly encrypted. Mm-hmm. And and North Korea hacked in, and they got a bunch of gobbledygook that they'll spend the next 25 years trying to decode. How can we possibly have in, invasion plans, contingency plans, right. just sitting there on our Gmail account, as it were? I just don't get it. Fashion mogul Donna Karen is apologizing after praising Harvey Weinstein following his firing from his film company amid allegations of sexual harassment lasting for decades. The Daily Mail is reporting that Karen told reporters at a red carpet in L.A. on Sunday night that Weinstein has done some amazing things and that he and his wife are wonderful people. Then the 69-year-old Karen added, It's not Harvey Weinstein. You look at everything all over the world today. You know, and how women are dressing and, you know, what they're asking by just presenting themselves the way they do. What are they asking for? Trouble. Wow. Right. Wow. That's right. How was I? I'm in my hotel. I got my robe on. I'm getting ready to shower. And this woman comes in dressed like a slut. What what am I to do? What? Yeah, I know. Way to go, Donna. Wow. In her follow-up statement, Karen and said... And how many various women's events yeah. has she attended and raised money for in marches she's participated right. in? And she's a, well, you ask for it by wearing a, dr- a short skirt person. Yeah. Wow. And in her follow-up remarks, uh, Karen is saying, oh, no, 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 my, uh, my remarks were taken out of context and, mm. and don't represent my real feelings. The context was talking about Harvey Weinstein, your buddy who, who's a groper and a harasser and possibly a rapist. Wow. Anyway, that's uh, that's a wrap. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the voice of the West. Karen is saying, gosh, truly, truly sorry to anybody I might have offended and everyone that has ever been a victim. Yeah. Well, uh, on the Harvey Weinstein uh, topic, Hillary Clinton continues to have the worst political barometer in the history of politics <laughs> and not understanding this issue at all. Um, and uh, CNN jumped on her for it. Overnight, she's got to say something. Did a speech in uh, Super Social Justice Davis, California, yesterday, and did not utter a word. Yeah, the response to it is kind of interesting. I'll hit you with that and a couple other things. Oh, also, the late night comedians finally made jokes about this guy. Had the guts to make jokes. We'll play a couple of those coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. promise a Harvey Weinstein joke, so here it goes, all right? What's the difference between Harvey Weinstein and the Pillsbury Doughboy? 
When the Pillsbury Doughboy offers you a roll, he doesn't ask you to watch him take a shower for it. <laughs> there, there you go. That's pretty good. So they're making jokes now, the late-night comics? Yeah, some of them are, although I've heard a couple other ones, and the punchline isn't Harvey Weinstein. Correct. The oh. setup is. They end up being a shot at, I mean, Fox News or gotcha. what, what have you. Hillary Clinton actually spoke like three miles from my house last night, but I didn't have uh, the time to get over there and listen to her. But apparently in her 90-minute speech, she never mentioned Harvey Weinstein, who's, who's been like uh, a champion of hers forever. And this tweet went out from Erin Burnett, if you know her act. Does she still have a show? She used to have her own show on CNN. I don't know if she still does or not. Nobody knows. Um, And Jake Tapper retweeted this. Hmm. He does have a show on CNN. Erin Burnett's tweet was, HRC, I'll start over. HRC spoke for 90 minutes last night, didn't mention Harvey Weinstein. She won't give women a pass, in quotes, for not voting for her, but she gave him one. Hillary's been going around blasting women who voted for Donald Trump and saying, I won't give you a pass for doing that. Um, but you gave <laughs> oh, Harvey oh, Weinstein. No. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'll be all right, I guess. Uh, but she, won't, she will give Harvey Weinstein a pass, who's donated a gazillion dollars and dinners and marches and all kinds of stuff on her behalf. And I set that up for this. So the New Yorker is out with their expose on Harvey Weinstein, which would have led him to losing his job if the New York Times hadn't beat him to it a week earlier. How graphic do you want to get here, Joe? We got this Italian actress explaining what happened to her. It's fairly graphic. I think it's got, well, it's it's sensational, which is good for ratings. But I think it has some news value, and it allows you as a woman to think, uh, I can understand why she did this, or or for you to think she's weak and a slut and lying. Boy, I haven't I haven't read it. I I'm, haven't... I'm, I'm going to do it, by the way, regardless of your answer. <laughs> I suggest you go ahead. Because <laughs> it's really good. Um, I just, I don't know. I was pretending to, like, you know, really suffer over whether or not we should do this. When, I, I, when you I'm know, not I really suffering. I found your performance uh, compelling. I'll give you the role whether you watch me shower or not. <laughs> That's funny. So I don't know this woman. She's an Italian actress, Argen, Argento. She was 21 and a rising actress who had twice won the Italian equivalent of the Oscar. In 1997, one of Weinstein's producers invited her to what she understood to be a party thrown by Miramax at the Hotel de Cap Eden Rock on the French Riviera. Sounds very fancy. Mm. She's 21 years old. When the producer led her upstairs that evening, she said there was no party, only a hotel room empty but for Weinstein. I'm like, where's the effing party? She called the producer telling her, oh, we must have got here too early before he left her alone with Weinstein. Apparently this is his thing, because this is the same story Ashley Judd had, right? Yeah, I wonder so if the is... producer is that producer we were talking about earlier, the Italian uh, head of Miramax, whose who's gig, the only reason he was paid 400 Gs was to get uh, girls for Harvey to prey upon. Or, you know, prostitutes. At first, Weinstein was solicitous, praising her work. Then he left the room. When he returned, he was wearing a bathrobe and holding a bottle of lotion. Well, there's there's a subtle one. Oh, that's a way to handle it. He returned wearing a bathroom and holding a bottle of lotion. He asked me to give him a massage. I was like, look, man, I'm no effing fool, Argento said. But looking back, I am an effing fool, and I'm still, like, trying to come to grips with what happened. I, see, I am just, well, I've never been super rich and powerful, but I just, it, it's just hard for me to imagine that that would ever work. I'm just going to walk out in a robe holding a bottle of lotion and say to somebody I just met, I want you to give me a massage. 
and that that's going to go somewhere. I just I guess I'm a sap. I don't understand the the ability of power and money and yeah. desperation or whatever. Uh, Argento said that after she reluctantly agreed to give Weinstein a, Weinstein a massage, okay, that was a pretty big jump right there. Uh, I, I, I said, look, man, I'm no effing fool. Looking back, I am an effing fool. We jump right to, she says, okay, I guess I'll give you a massage. See, that just seems amazing to me, but it happened. Well, yeah, and you can give people massages. It happens all the time. That doesn't mean you get to get raped. In a business sense, that's a common thing where you meet somebody for a party and they just say, would you give me a massage what's, in their robe what's with your a point? bottle of lotion? What's your point? What's your point? Don't act like this happens all the time. Like, this is normal. Oh, the, the, this is this well, normal. No, a massage happens all the time. With a bottle of lotion? What's your point? It's okay then to rape her or what? No. It's an error in judgment. I'll grant you that. It is a tremendous error She's in judgment. She's 21 years old. That's a tremendous error in judgment. Well, we'll have to see how women react on the text line at 415-295-KFTC. Uh, Argento said that after she reluctantly agreed to give Weinstein a massage, he pulled her skirt up, forced her legs apart, and performed oral sex on her as she repeatedly told him to stop. Weinstein terrified me. He was so big, she said. It wouldn't stop. It was a nightmare. See, I'm not a woman. I don't know what it's like. I can't imagine you laying there and allowing that to occur, and you just keep saying stop. But I've never been in that situation, and I don't know what it's like to be a woman in the presence of a large man. At some point, Argento said she stopped saying no and feigned enjoyment because she thought it was the only way the assault would end. I was not willing, she told me. I said, no, 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 no. It's twisted. A big fat man wanting to blank Mm. you. It's a scary fairy tale. Argento, who insisted that she wanted to tell her story in all its complexity, said that she didn't physically fight him off, something that has prompted years of guilt. The thing with being a victim is I felt responsible, she said, because if I were a strong woman, I would have kicked him in the testicles and run away, but I didn't, and so I felt responsible. She described the incident as a horrible trauma. Decades later, she said, oral sex is still ruined for her. I've been damaged, she told me. Just talking to you about it, my whole body is shaking. Which is why a big uh, rapist counts on that. You take a young, inexperienced woman, suddenly subject her to something that freaks her out, scares her, physically dominate her. She doesn't know what to do. You get what you want. You send her away uh, ashamed and confused and and. And torn apart. It's disgusting. By the way, this is the guy that Hillary Clinton uh, uh, didn't mention in her speech last night while blasting women for voting for Trump. Argento recalled sitting on the bed after the incident, her clothes in shambles, her makeup smeared. She said that she told Weinstein, I'm not a whore, and that he began laughing. He said he'd put the phrase on a T-shirt. Afterward, Argento said he kept contacting me. For a few months, Weinstein seemed obsessed, offering her expensive gifts. Um, So this is, the New York Times didn't have anything this uh, explosive as this that's out today from the New Yorker. So, you know, they later had a relationship, friendly and yeah. sometimes a little sexual. I don't get which that. Which she says complicated things, etc. I don't get that, but, you know. But then there was weird power plays. Uh, he said he'd end her career if she didn't cooperate, and then he sent her a bunch of money when she was a single mother dealing with child care, blah, blah, blah. It's just also tawdry. Sick. Oh, I got to hear from women. I'm a guy, so I don't I don't get it. 415-295-KFTC is our text line. If that makes perfect sense to you, I, I, I can predict what the, uh, the, the texts are going to be like. But um, 
I gonna... keep being reminded of a, a particular line from the movie The Usual Suspects when they're they're talking about somebody had the opportunity to stop the big bad guy early in the movie. And the quote was, how do you shoot the devil in the back? What if you miss? And for some reason, this keeps coming to my mind when I'm hearing these people tell these tales. This is a guy who was larger than life, kind of, you know, just built up to be larger than life. How do you, the young something, take that shot? What if you're not good enough? Yeah, and even even if you're... Um... Even if you're not frightened physically and all the stuff that she was, you would be saying, that's the end of this whole I'm going to be an actress thing. Right. Well, he's the most powerful yeah. man in movies. I got, I'm yeah, going to have to just... go start my life completely over and do something else. Yeah, I don't, yeah. We'll get to some of your texts, 415-295-KFTC, coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show.